This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, we're going to be doing some week three reactions. We're checking up on some trends. Uh, and we're going to do a new little segment here weekly. We're going to do a game of the week that we're looking forward to coming up. Now, I keep saying this every single episode. And I want to keep saying every single episode. I'm a strong believer in the first four weeks setting the tone for a player's season. I don't need them to be tremendous, but if there's guys I'm waiting to break out and they haven't done anything the first four weeks of play, I'm probably not expecting it. And again, this is all like non-con games, so this should be cupcake matchups. So there's got to be some context there. But if there's just nothing there for four weeks, I'm probably throwing in the towel on some veterans. But first, Corey with the news. After an awful week three that uh, saw them run through two quarterbacks, Alabama is going back to quarterback Jalen Milrow as their starter. Uh, he definitely looks like he's going to be the best option for Alabama this season, but we'll get into that a little bit more uh, um, when we get into our reactions here. Um, Syracuse tight end wide receiver Ronda Gadsden, we talked about his injury last week. He's actually going to be out for the season, he announced, with that foot injury that he suffered. Um, Colorado wide receiver slash cornerback Travis Hunter, he's set to miss about three-plus weeks from the injury he picked up this weekend, so that kind of stinks. Arizona State freshman uh, quarterback Jaden Rashada is looking at about a six-week recovery time from the injury he picked up. Arizona State also said that they might apparently redshirt him now. It's not off the table, so... Kind of upsetting. Uh, I was hoping to see him kind of build throughout this season, but we'll see how fast he can recover from that injury. Um, over to the Georgia running back room, where they're always dealing with injuries over there. Kendall Milton, once again, dealing with an MCL injury. But the one I'm looking at a little bit harder here is Roger Robinson, who's made a little bit of a name for himself uh, at the beginning of the season. He's dealing with a dreaded high ankle sprain, so not sure when he's going to come back. And even when guys come back from that, they're usually not themselves throughout the season. So we'll see how much of an impact he can continue to make. Uh, and last but not least, Colorado running back Alton McCaskill has shedded his non-contact in jersey, which means we should see him get on the field soon. Uh, and perhaps he can provide that spark to the Colorado rushing game that it needs. Uh, be sure to head over to the website at campus2can.com where you can become a member with many of our subscription options, some of which include access to our draft guide, uh, weekly CFF projections, rankings, advanced metric tools, and uh, the C2C Winning Edge, which is a collaboration with the CFB Winning Edge to help bring you guys the amazing in-depth work on school depth charts, statistical projections, returning production, game trip projections for all you betters out there. So make sure you guys are checking out the family of podcasts and the YouTube channel, and make sure you guys are keeping a lock to the YouTube channel on every Saturday from here on throughout the season to make sure you're catching our pre-show in the morning called the tailgate starting at 10 a.m every morning the guys will be going through start sit questions keeping up to date on the news heading into the games going over a lot of the betting tips uh, we also got a little debbie preview me and mike are doing every morning so make sure you guys are keeping it locked with campus to ken all year long to help guide you through the season i don't know if they're gonna be seeing me on saturday morning they didn't appreciate my jokes last time <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i don't think anybody caught it really it went under the radar there Chris Moxley probably did. He catches the most of my jokes. I know Felix catches most of them too. Um, I, I actually won't be here next week. There's normally an announcement I put at the end of the show, but I won't be here next week. I'm taking a trip. I'm actually going to be in Corey's neck of the woods, but he doesn't want to hang out with me. I I even invited him to what my friend's Drake night. That's right, the rapper Drake. We're all going to have uh, I've normally not obnoxious owl necklaces and just quoting Drake all night while we get drunk. He doesn't want to join in on that though. Um, but speaking of dressing up, Corey. Halloween's around the corner, and who doesn't like to play pretend? Everyone likes to play pretend. Kids like to play pretend. Adults like to play pretend. Um, my doll likes to pretend that he's hungry all the time. But 
you can go over to Home Field Apparel and buy yourself some vintage Nebraska clothes, right? We got Texas back, Florida's back. Nebraska's not back, but you can go and buy their vintage stuff from the 90s and pretend that your team is still good like you guys do every single year on the internet. You can pretend that Nebraska is just the best. And you can do that at Home Field Apparel with the promo code CAMPUS, the number two Canton, for 15% off your purchase. Halloween's around the corner. Go ahead and get your your Nebraska stuff here early for the Home Field Apparel. Corey, you ready for some player reactions? Let's do it, buddy. We'll go off with QBs here. Let's off with Carson Beck, a guy that me and you both were kind of fans of after the spring game, right? Showed some great processing. Thought he had a yep. decent arm. Thought he could be a really good pocket passer. Um, I I don't know, dude. I'm not excited anymore. I'm just not with it. I'm a little embarrassed, <laughs> actually. Um, yeah, I maybe didn't dive in as hard as some guys did this offseason, but I wrote his profile for the Debbie guide. I was pretty impressed with some of the things I saw, some of the stuff in cleanup action. Um, but again, again, this is a guy we never really saw tested throughout the season. And this was probably his first real test of the season playing against South Carolina here. And it was kind of a struggle through the first half of this game. Felt like he was, he was playing it safe a lot of the time, um, which is usually all you really have to do as a Georgia quarterback, but, um, only a 6.0 a dot for this game. This game was 14 to three going into half. For South Carolina, Georgia only scored three points the entire half. Um, this guy was just throwing screen after screen. Um, nobody was really breaking uh, the big long play or anything like that. So, you know, second half, they start focusing more on the run. Dejon Edwards goes off for like 100 yards. Um, Carson finishes the day without a touchdown pass. Um, I still want to say this is still his first true test. I'm not ready to, to judge him solely off this game, but I was expecting more. Maybe I just wanted to see him, you know, maybe light it up, maybe make some nice throws, some tight window throws or something. I'm just not seeing anything to be excited about this far into the season. I, I'm with you. I, I, nothing, nothing here has been great. Nothing here has been terrible. Um, I, I know that we like labeled it as a pocket passer. If you can be a pocket passer, like I need you to be able to challenge the ball deep and just has him able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this light stuff is fine. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it's fluff. It pads your stats. Like he's completely trying to 73.2%, you know, but like big time throws, he's got like three and I'm just like kind of an arbitrary stat, but he's really not challenging the ball deep. So I need to see more. I don't hate what I've seen, but I'm certainly not excited either. Um, but speaking of pocket QBs, I want to go over to Quinn yours here from Texas. I did watch his Wyoming game. Um, Jadon blue is terrible. Uh, but <laughs> like besides that though, uh, he's we've we've talked about him as maybe the only guy potentially could be like a first round QB three in this class. He's also a pocket passer. They just hey, whoa, has whoa, struggled. Whoa, whoa. No, there's no respect to JJ McCarthy here. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He had a horrible game last week. It's a bad week to say that. Actually, go ahead, keep talking about. Okay, it. okay. Because I didn't even pay attention. I would have rolled with it. I had no, no idea. He had a bad week game last week. But yeah. Oh so, man, you know I'm not watching time. Michigan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can avoid it. But anyway, um, uh, anyway, he can't challenge. He's he's like struggling challenging the ball deep. Some of these like little balls he does is like they're like floated. Almost had a pick, uh, almost had a ball picked off to like JT Sanders. He floated like a short route for a first down to like uh um oh man, what was the receiver that was hyped up and now all he does is block? Uh Whittington. Yes, thank you. He floated yeah. with the Whittington, it, like just floated, and the guy slapped it down. And I'm like, you know, most power five guys would have intercepted that, but like it. It didn't like look good. It didn't look good. I don't. He's just he's same as Carson Beck, where like I think he's fine. He's like a. I think Quinn right now today is still like a a round two, round three pick. But like I just haven't seen him really elevate outside of the Alabama game this year. So uh, I don't know. I'm not like wavering. I'm just saying like he still has more to show. 
Yeah, maybe there's something to him when the lights come on that he kind of becomes this guy, you know, all the pressure on him against Bama. I mean, probably those couple quarters against Bama last year was probably what we would say was his best game. And now his Bama game this year again is his best game. But I want to say, like, we're talking about this deep ball accuracy. It was a problem in the first game as well. And then we saw it in Bama, and it seemed like he, like, tried to find something there. Like, did you notice, like, even on the deep pass to Xavier Worthy that he hit that was really nice? So much air under that ball. He floated it. He like rainbowed it like crazy. I don't know if he thought, okay, maybe this is my way to connect. And he brought that over to this game. And it was like, everything was floating everything. He, it's like, he was scared to put that rifle on it that, that he used to put on it a little bit more last year, but it was a lot of overthrow. So he still seems like he's just working through something here to get that deep ball accuracy on track. And hopefully we kind of see it, you know, come sooner rather than later, but yeah, kind of been a tough start, at least down the field for him. If I see him float the ball, I'd much rather him over, overthrow it, though. Like, at least I can appreciate that. Like, he's going to yeah. overthrow it. He's going to put some air underneath it, like, overthrow it. I almost even like rather – I like to see the rifle passes, though. I like to see that you can do that. Yeah. Even yeah. even if the accuracy is off. But I still like to see you, you do that. Now he's just putting all this floating under it. It's just, yeah, it, 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 he's in his head right now passing the ball deep, I feel like. Um, not on the show sheet, but I'm actually kind of like excited for some G5 teams as a, as a fan perspective, not as like a Debbie perspective, like, like Wyoming mm-hmm. looks good. Rice looks good. Tulane looks good. Troy, look, like there's some G5 teams that are like, actually JT Daniels comeback story. <laughs> He's good for the first <laughs> half of every season. And yeah. then, uh, I just heard, um, campus life hyping him up. So I feel like that's like going to be the wall. Like I, you just know it's going to happen. Everything yeah. Oh yeah. Happen. He's, he's, he's going to uh, revert back to, to the guy we know, yeah. but he's, he's had some nice games here. Got to give it to him a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Just lets you down at the worst moment, though. Yeah. Um, head over to the Bama QBs. We just kind of talked about the Bama game there from last week. Uh, I, there's a lot of different takes around the internet I've seen on this one. I always thought that for them putting Buckner in, like, they just want to see what they got. You know, like, they're kind of like, I feel like Nick Saban looked at the match against USF, and they're like, well, there's no way that we lose this. Let's see what we have with these other guys. Is it Was that your take on it, too, or do you think that he was, like, mad at Milrow or – like Miller lost in the game, whatever. Do you think it was like a, what's your take on that? I don't think he was mad at Miller or anything like that. I think, you know, maybe this is a little bit tinfoily conspiracy hat. Some people have talked about it a little bit as well, but I think Saban made the, made the decision. Buck or um, Jalen Miller was the best guy for this team going into the season. He decided to do that. When Jalen Miller was kind of playing bad, I bet you a certain offensive coordinator that was from a certain team that had a certain old quarterback that was with the team now was probably in his ear going, hey, maybe Buckner can do this. Maybe Buckner can do, can do this. And Saban goes, you know what? Fine. Let's put Buckner in, put him up against USC, USF, and let's see what he can do. And what does he do? He barely passes for, what, 30-something yards? Five for 14 for 34 yards. I mean, it was, it was terrible. They brought in Ty Simpson after. He didn't look much better after. So maybe it's a little bit conspiracy theory, but it's like, I think they knew this was soft matchup. Even if they played bad, they were going to be able to come out of it. Maybe this is just his way of showing, Hey, I made the right decision to begin with. Now, trust me. And let's go with Jalen Miller for the rest of the season. There's always like one fantasy trade. I think about every single year, last year, someone offered me after week one, Geno Smith just went off. It's your time to unload him. If you had him for forever. And he asked me for Rashad Penny. And I responded back with, Rashad Penny also broke out that week. It was just week one. And I was like, I'd rather lick Austin's big toe than give you Rashad Penny for Gene Smith. I'm not going to fall for that. <laughs> Which, obviously, I'm like, egg on my face. Feels so bad about that. This year, the trade offer I think of a lot was in the all-season for the draft. This team was QB needy. All, like, at, like four of the big five QBs left. All this left is, is Arch Manning. And I'm not the biggest Arch Manning fan. There's some real big fans out there. And I put out in the chat, 
I'm picking Arch Manning in like 45 minutes unless someone wants to try to trade me for this. I'm looking for like an established Debbie, like QB guy. Like I'm hoping like someone doesn't like Drew Aller or someone doesn't like Connor Wegman, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy hits me up. And he says, I got Tyler Buckner, but I'm going to need plus. <laughs> I, I, I just picked Arch Manning. And I just, I didn't even respond. So I'm going to go right here and pick Arch Manning. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that one works out though in the future for me. But, uh, that I just think about that every single time I see Tyler Buckner's name. He's just terrible. He's yeah, always he, been terrible. Hasn't been good since high school. And I think no. high school he was super elite. Um, but I, I think this experiment was fine. I want to talk about Ty Simpson though. Ty Simpson got in. I want to say he was like three for six for like 30 with one big throw to like CJ Dupree. Five for nine for 73. Yeah. And, and a go. 45, including the 45 yard or two Dupree. Yeah. Do you like what is I don't think Kai Simpson's dead. Like people were talking about him, like he's actually terrible. I probably should have had higher expectations with USF, but I think he's the clear number two option on this team moving forward. Like I don't think this was terrible. Do you think that the why why do they put in Buckner first? Like Ty Simpson has been there for two years now. Well, I mean a year and, and a bit now. And yeah. he was in he was there all off season. He, Buckner just came in the summer. Why are you going to Buckner first? Unless that follows my my tin foil hat theory that they just want to prove that. Yeah, I would thing. say but, the OC had to play a role on that for sure. Yeah, like unless it was just that. But no, I'm definitely feeling like pessimistic about Ty Simpson right now. I just don't know. I, I, I He doesn't seem to be getting the love inside the building that we'd like to be hearing. I am a bit of a fan of the incoming recruit, uh, Jalen Sane, which we're not doing our preview for that for like another bunch of months. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, I assume Bama would go back to the portal next year, see if they can get someone big again. But I'm not out on Simpson. Not out. Uh, let's get over to the wide receiver room here. I wanted to talk about a guy we talked about last week. We don't want to overlap here too much the way we do, but Luther Burden looked good. And we said last week this is like mm-hmm. his first real test against a real defense. Like Kansas State put in at least one corner to the NFL last year. Julius Brents, who went to the senior bowl, guys watched him. I thought he was pretty good, actually. Um, he he looked good. Versatile usage, close, uh, close to the line of scrimmage, also going to challenge the ball deep. Uh, I thought he looked good. I just wanted to say that too, because this is like again, like some people are out, some people are in. Uh, this is the first real defense. He has plenty of more to come up here with the SEC. Uh, I like Luther Burden this week. Yeah, I like uh, I love what I'm seeing from him. I mean, we've talked about it on the show. I've never really wavered from this. I always thought of him as kind of a projection and like some of the early things he did last year, I was actually really pleased with. Um, and, and going into this year, he's excelling in the role they're asking him to do. And I mean, uh, his eight odd is all over the place. 5.6 week one, 12.9 week two, 7.9 this week. So he's being used all over the field. He's being used all over the lineup. He's spending a little bit more time outside, spending time in the slot, winning in those contested catch situations still has that elusiveness. I mean, I really think you guys got to reconsider if you're not considering Luther Burden at least like a top six Debbie wide receiver, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think anything less than top 10, I think it's kind of egregious. Maybe top 15. I'll go top 15. I think it's egregious. Yeah. That's egregious. Um, <laughs> uh, Malik Neighbors. Uh, I believe it was back to, not back to Debbie. Excuse me. That's us. I think it was the Debbie debate, the other Debbie show, whatever. Yeah. It was, who went live saying, Talking bad about my boy Malik Neighbors saying Mike was gotta be shitting himself listening to this right now. Well, poo poo on you guys, all right? Suck on these plums, Austin. Malik Neighbors looked great. 13 for 13. And I watched that game probably about two hours before this show. He was wide open on two more like long shots that Jane Daniels just missed him on. So 
he played great. He was amazing. He was open a lot. Uh, I, I will say this. I will say this. I saw a lot of slow goes, which is fine. It's a good way to manipulate using speed. It's a straight line route. I didn't see much else. A lot of it feel like busted coverage. A lot of it felt like reading zones really well. <laughs> I didn't see an enormous amount of manipulation outside of those logos. Um, and him just taking it. I don't know. It just, I think Mississippi State's bad. I don't know how bad they are, but it was nice. It was still nice to see. I think tempo within your routes is actually a pretty underrated aspect of route running. I think it's one of the ways people see people go come in and they just run their route like full speed all the time. And it's like sometimes doing those slow things and slowing down here or whatever can be a, a great part of your route using that tempo, using what you can to your advantage. I think uh, this week was really good for him anyways. I mean, I think he must've heard all the negativity being talked about him. You know, want to just prove it like 13 for 13, even caught every ball that came his way. Uh, 240 yards, 7.24 yards per route run last week. Insane. He was 50% in the slot and 50% outside as well, which, I mean, we've spoken about a little bit before. I don't like, he may not have any elite trait, but he could very well be what Jordan Addison is going to be for the Vikings. He can excel as a number two option. He can do a little bit of everything. And he's very good at the stuff that he does. Like uh, a lot of people want to harp on him for not having that elite trait, but I think that he's very good at everything else he does. And I would, I would over 120 yards a game. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a big boost from that one, buddy. He yeah. kind of started off slow last year too, and then kind of settled in as the year went on. So maybe that's just something we'll see. This offense doesn't isn't always high powered like this. So this this is the thing. He he kind of is going to go with the with the ups and downs of this offense. Is he a top five for you right now in the class for wide receiver? I think he is. I can't. Remember. Okay. I'd have to go and and look to be sure, but I'm almost certain that he is. Yeah. I dropped him a little bit. But I actually think that, yeah. I don't like him and Worthy to me. I keep flipping, but I like them both. Yeah. Um, going over to Joseph Griffin. Uh, a, a, a My guy for me from Mike's. Mike, Mike's and Misfits are not doing well this year. We'll probably talk about that <laughs> at some point in time. Yeah. We'll take um, a look at our deep shots. You were talking to me about that the other day. When we would do a, one where we look at all of our, uh, our deep shots and see how they're I'm doing. I'm so discouraged. Mid-season check-in. <laughs> I, I am like, I, as of like this moment, and maybe – not it'll only last an hour probably i hate the transfer portal how can i shoot from yeah. deep if they're gonna take some 50 crust like fifth year crusty guy from g5 put him in <laughs> instead of like develop their three stars that they get and they like flash a little bit and they're like well why would i want to develop this guy for two years so i can get this guy that's ready now like anyway yeah. joseph griffin though led targets for uh mm-hmm. thomas Cassianos with uh boston college quarterback there eight targets for him he's the starting x for them I don't know what more to say there. I actually really didn't watch the game. I looked at the stats. I wasn't too impressed. I got to watch it. I imagine there was a lot of like gunslinging and just inaccurate, but getting the ball in the right zip code type of thing. He actually made a nice play like after the catch. He caught a ball like maybe like six yards off the line of scrimmage and then and, and, uh, turned it into like a 15, maybe 20 yard play or something like that. And that, that was one of the things I just wanted to say is that they seem like they're giving him a bigger role this year. Even look at the stat counts. He's second in line. There's two guys with 18. He has 16. So he's right up there as well. Um, he definitely brings something that those guys don't bring with that size. Like, you know, maybe if you want to, if, if you really want to shoot high, high upside, like what type of player he is. He's like a Ted McMillan type of player upside, like, but the, he's not that at all or whatever right now, but he excels above the rim. He excels in those contested catch situations. But again, this game, only seven targets, but only came down with three of them. It just seems like uh, Thomas Castellanos, uh, the new quarterback there for BC kind of likes him who I just wanted to ask you, by the way, have you watched uh, Castellanos at all? Like since he's been playing? 
No, I actually did watch a lot of his high school stuff, though, but no, I have not. Uh, yeah, like, I don't think he's a legitimate quarterback, but he's like a hell of an athlete, man. Like, he's a he he runs the ball like crazy. He's a really fun yeah. player. There's a couple times I caught, I was watching the highlights and I just, I caught him and I didn't even realize I thought it was like a wide receiver with the ball or like a backup running back. And it's him like just doing this stuff like in the middle of the field. He's a really fun player. I, I may have put in a few bids for him this week to see if I can grab him. Him and the freshman from Virginia, Cal- Calandria. Yeah, I, did, I haven't watched him yet, though. Yeah, but I heard, I heard he had an okay game there. They're both fun to like. I don't know. I keep thinking they're like, uh, like Jaden Delora esque. Like they're fun to watch. Yeah, turnover prone, gunslingers though. Like love to watch that too, guys. Um, I want to talk about Adonai Mitchell a little bit here. Uh, Texas wide receiver. We love the tools. Um, and like I said, I think the first four weeks kind of dictates like what you're going to be the rest of the season. I I love the tools and just like quarterbacks and stuff like that you still need a production profile i still i don't know if he's ever going to build it especially at this rate he's going right now it's just i don't i don't know what to do with him but i'm not i'm like i'm not in i'm not in i'm not i'm like fading him a little bit uh, I've done his profile for the Debbie guy the past two years now. And I've always said, he's just a very raw Like I think he does really good things at the catch point. I think he can contort yeah. his body with very good body control, but like his routes are very sloppy. His body movements, a lot of wasted movement as well. And like the way we're even seeing him used right now, you know, it's a lot of just like over the top. It's a lot of deep down the field. Like his a dot, I think must be pretty high. I don't have it right in front of me, but it must be pretty high as of right now. Um, but he's getting hype out there, man. Like there's a lot of guys that do like, I think they're just buying into, the traits and buying into a guy that's going to be on the national TV a lot. I, I have a feeling, dude, that this guy is going to be a day two selection just okay. with the traits that he has. Um, but I just, I'm with you though, that I don't know if I'm fully buying his success, success at the next level. I don't think there's enough people um, putting in how raw he is actually as a wide receiver. I don't think it comes out this year, especially at this rate, at, at yeah. least that he doesn't come out this year. And then, We'll see if Quinn gets pushed out. He probably won't. I think Quinn will probably go back too. If Quinn doesn't get first on draft capital, he's got to go back. Yeah, so. big year for both for both of them. Yeah, big year for for all yeah. of those Texas guys, man. Worthy, uh, Ewers, Mitchell here now. I mean, yeah, Jonathan Brooks. John, I'm just saying, Jonathan. <laughs> was that was that, was that a segue? Let's get into running backs. You want to talk? Yeah, about yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wrote his name down. I actually thought he looked good, but like I don't have much more to say to that. He's not. He's not an against NFL Wyoming. Guy. Yes, very. He's very... not an NFL guy. I'm watching. <laughs> he's doing well. Uh, anyway, yeah. that's it for Jonathan Brooks. I've not wrote his yeah. name on the page. And John and uh, and Blue look bad. CJ Baxter, by the way, is practicing on limited base basis. I didn't put that into the thing, but it looks like he may have a chance to come back this this week. So we'll see if that can happen. Uh, if he doesn't, though, dude, I am absolutely firing up all my Jonathan Brooks shares. Anyway, <laughs> uh, running back. So Darius Taylor, talk of the town here. Uh, running back for Minnesota. Um, I got in the chat and said this for our Slack. I'm going to say it here too. I, I just like hats off to Minnesota for not skipping a beat and finding the next Mo Ibrahim. You know, it's a freshman. We're trying to be too critical of freshman, but I, I got in the chat and was like, there's nothing special Darius Taylor does. He just does everything really well. And that's like all the running backs ever in Minnesota. Like they, they're <laughs> in their box. They like find the hole. They like hit it. There's, they're not exceptional in anything. They have a little bit of, they, they're pretty good at like contact backs, but like besides that, they're, they're just all around good running backs um and i just i just couldn't believe it dude i couldn't believe minnesota like had their two weeks of athens county managed like all right fans will never complain now about us not passing because i got this little taste here for two weeks so we're good for two (laughs) years to not pass again ever again so anyway darius taylor though what do you think about him 
Yeah, I pushed back a little bit in the chat when you did put that because I do think that it's worth note. Like, I mean, this is a true freshman who really didn't have a lot of hype. I mean, really, unless you were looking in the back corridors, because that was kind of one thing that put him on my radar when we did our freshman sleeper show was that he did have some talk in like the back corridors of the room that he was a guy that that they were very excited about coming into the program and um he took over this backfield from Sean Tyler, who has some connections in that coaching staff as well, that I thought he would yeah. be the, the lead guy going forward. I still don't know if there's like some kind of lingering injury there, but he's become the lead back 22 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown last week, 55 carries for 331 yards and two touchdowns over the last week. Like he's lined up for great volume in this role. Like if he's somehow hanging around on your waiver wire still in your C2C leagues, he's someone I'd be very aggressive with. Cause I think there might be some Debbie potential here already. I mean, if you have, if he isn't gone already, but yeah, I think there's some sneaky Debbie potential in this profile he's got good size he's like 5'11 210 pass catching background as a former wide receiver and we see this with freshman running backs like if you look at tank bigsby's freshman running back tape like it's like very good at the line of scrimmage and then lack and then very lack of creativity at the second level and i think we see that a lot from freshman running backs as they get settled in i'm very excited about about taylor's upside here he's certainly on the radar and i gotta put him into my rankings 100 yeah um so i'm all down for that i didn't think sean tyler was there for the long run i i do think like it's important to chase systems for college football um but also like player styles too and sean tyler's like you know he's built for speed not like power running the way that we'd like to do at minnesota so yeah uh, that was the big that was the big thing is like i I didn't know if they were really gonna ride that small guy but it's like he didn't even look that bad i guess i don't know just darius just took over man yeah no yeah like saw no, I mean like he didn't look that bad playing on the field these oh, first yeah, two yeah, weeks. Yeah. Like he actually didn't look that bad, but I mean, yeah, Darius Taylor just took over, I guess. Yeah, uh, Sean Tyler one ninety just for everyone that wants to get call me out for technicality there. Um, you wrote down Amani Bailey here. I know Amani Bailey was a pass catching back from. Uh, it's escaping. Where's he come? Where did he come from last year? Uh, he, two years ago he was at uh Louisiana, I believe. And um, now I look, I just wanted to write him because going very under the radar, what he's kind of doing for TCU right now. Um, the profile is not great. He's a fourth year back, not a lot of gaudy stats, um, but you know, uh, transfer out G5 in his third season. He seems to be the number one, one A at least for TCU right now. He leads all power five backs in rushing yards right now. He leads all big 12 backs in 10 plus yards per carry. He leads all big 12 backs in yards after contact. He's top five in missed tackles force. He's 5'9", 207, and he looks like a little jitterbug out there. I mean, he's not getting in the touchdowns because Trey Sanders seems to be the red zone guy. That's the guy they're relying on to get the touchdowns. Uh, but he's been dominating with the touches he's been getting, man. Like, he he looks really good. I, I, I'm i glad we're doing this show now and it comes out tomorrow because I put in some very aggressive bids for him as well because the volume looks really good. We saw what Kendra Miller did kind of in this role last year. So we'll see if that can kind of be a thing. I also want to say in this game, uh, we were going to talk Matthew Golden um, this week, but we didn't end up talking him because we kind of talked about him last week. He had a really nice kickoff return touchdown this game as well. Just want to shout him out there. I, I didn't know he had that kind of in his repertoire. It was kind of nice to see. Talking about Matthew Golden with that return? Yeah. Talking about? Yeah. Matthew Golden. Yeah, kick return. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the running back from LSU, Caleb Jackson, true freshman here. Um, I, I thought he looked – I think he looks the part. Uh, he truck sticked a guy during during the Mississippi game. I I think I think he's the lead running back coming next year. Right? Once Logan, once he gets a little bit more acclimated into the environment, and uh, Brian Kelly trusts him more, like I think he's the guy going forward. And we were both aggressive in ranking him this past off season, moving up to I think RB five right before the season started. I've moved him up more than that. Like my tier two for running backs among the freshmen were Roderick Robinson, who's looked good as well. Um, Cam Selden still waiting on that. And then Caleb Jackson was in there. 
And then I also like had Dontavious Braswell in there as well. I I I think I think Caleb Jackson's legit. I have him ranked way too high right now. Um, but I, I was pretty pumped for like the little limited action I've seen from him. Even in practice, I've been always impressed. Yeah, he's been getting a little bit of run here. There's been some clips popping up on Twitter about showing some of that power running through guys a little bit like that. But my main worry here is just what's going to happen with Logan Diggs. Like he's going to have more time. He seems to be the guy that they want to rely on. You know, they have that connection um, with Brian Kelly from Notre Dame as well. Maybe he's just going to ride this guy. I'm just, I'm just worried we're going to have to wait a while until we see Caleb Jackson be that guy. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he can make it because the rest of this room has really been uninspiring. So I'm really hoping that he can make that, make that impact and at least become like the number two by the end of this year or something. Yeah. Uh, Kayla Jackson, by this last week, five for 19, 16 for 81 on the year. That's 5.1 yards per carry. Nothing really too special, but yeah, looking good out there. Looking nice and robust. I love when my running backs are robust. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do a little bit of tight end talk, which is weird for us. That's how bad of a week of football this is. There's a lot of not, you know, a lot of power five beating up on G five this week, which, you know, congrats to you guys for doing that. You're, you should be doing that. So like don't really have much to go off of, but <laughs> talking tight ends, Benson, not, do you think he solidified himself as a tight end three in this class? I don't know if he solidifies himself as a tight end three. Uh, I am a little bit worried about the size because he was looked at. as kind of like that H back role for a long time. He's listed at six four two forty five. So if he is that, then that's totally fine. You never have to worry about that, but yeah, he started off the season really well. Um, has that connection with Will Howard when he took over last year? They really formed a connection. It's carried over into this season already. 11 for 180 and two touchdowns on the season for him already. Um, kind of a versatile guy, too. It takes a couple of rushes here and there as well. So it, it kind of has that H back feel to him. I'm, a, I'm, I'm semi worried about the transition. I want to see a little bit more from him. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely one of these guys that I think can, can be in that top five conversation, I think. Yeah, no, I've been pumped about him as well, too. I, I know as a Keegan Johnson fan who just is not like fully acting into the, into the offense right now, but yeah, that connection with Will Howard is really great. Just speaking of Will Howard, by the way, he played that game injured. I know he yeah. lost, but like he was looking good out there limping. Yeah. Just yeah. So, questionable guess. this week. So watch out for that on your rosters. I know you probably got some shares. I'm, I'm, I'm watching them this week for sure. I think they're on buy. Don't they have a buy this week? No, they're playing this week. Okay. Um, another tight end that I did want to mention though, uh, Colorado state tight end, which obviously, I mean, we're, we're looking deep here, but, down Holker, uh, 6'5", 235 pounds, had a big game for Colorado State this, um, this past weekend versus Colorado in, in prime time there. I saw uh, Jim Nagy post a tweet about him that he wanted to put him on the radar um, for what he does. He's kind of like a Greg Dolchich type, you know, uh, a type of receiving okay. weapon, 6'5", yeah, 235. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of has that kind of build to him. I think that could, that could kind of be the type of player that maybe he kind of forms into. We know Colorado State, we had a lot of uh, – um, we were hoping they were going to be a pretty explosive offense last year. I mean, it was their first year transitioning into that. So it kind of took some time, but maybe we're kind of seeing the fruits of that come this year. They looked very explosive this past weekend. Maybe this is the kind of guy that can, that can maybe excel out of this and, and hop be the, be that G five guy that kind of hops into, uh, into the radar for us as a tight end. Yeah. Maybe following the Trey McBride. Uh, yeah. Steps there. I want to talk about Eric all uh, a lot of us in the Debbie team. I think except for like one person, but a lot, oh, except for you, everyone on the Debbie team, except for Corey. It was me. I was Hold right on. until last year. <laughs> yeah. That's what sucks about injuries, man. I can't like, yeah, you can't break your lap an injury, you know, like I no. type up a guy and he gets hurt. Like that's it. But yeah. um, Eric all can get his shot with Luke Lachey going down to injury, missing the rest of the year. Eric all had a very good season. I want to say two years ago at Minnesota, been kind of derailed with injuries follows his, QB over to Iowa. Um, anyway, the spots open. Everyone knows Iowa tight ends get the looks, get, get the recognition. 
So this is Eric All's time to shine. So that was a shot. I think actually we that most of us took here that, that that's back on the board, back on the board to due to injury. So it's really unfortunate, but one man's loss, another man's gain in this situation, I guess. I should have to look up the snap count. All right, he hasn't crossed twenty routes run. Yeah, all right, we'll see, we'll see, bro. Iowa, Iowa by the way, has not. This is their first week passing the threshold of twenty five points a game. I like, I might, <laughs> I might start tweeting out updates on that. I, yeah, <laughs> they're not doing too awesome. well right now, though. No. <laughs> so funny, dude. Uh, yeah. Um, let's talk about some trends here. Uh, we talked about this last week. Is Chase McClellan a Devi asset? Is not. Is not, or isn't it Devi asset? Are you, is that, are you, are you, is that a statement? Or are you asking me? <laughs> uh, I, you know, no, nah, I'm going to make that a statement. Chase McClellan is not a Debbie asset. Uh, dude, there's just no juice. Like, his whole thing was he's super athletic. He comes out of high school, has like the highest spark mm-hmm. score in his class. Uh, I think he had one ACL injury, might be more than that. I can't remember, but he's just been hampered by injuries. Obviously, Alabama's that system where you got to wait your turn. We get that. Like, you know, Brian Rouse was a fifth year guy. Najee Harris waited a while. Uh, it's one of those things. This is his turn to go up and do something. And I even just watching him, like, he doesn't look like the athlete that was advertised. And I thought, like, he showed some bursts last year, like, a, like here and there. I mm-hmm. sure have not seen any bursts this year. I just haven't. So I, I don't think he's – I don't think he's anything special. I, I definitely don't think he's, like, a better, like, prospect than, like, Damian Harris that came out of Alabama a couple years ago. Like, I don't think he's even on that level. That's funny. That's kind of, I actually wrote Damien Harris's name here. That's, okay. that's probably like expectation for like draft capital for like, wait, wait, dude, maybe if you look at that, you know, this was supposed to be a crazy rushing team. I do think um, that we might be able to pin some of this on the offensive line. It's been a problem for Alabama this year a little bit. That's no secret. People have been talking about it a little bit. It's, it's, it's a rare uh, year for them to have a bad offensive line. Not bad, just not up to par like we usually see. He's already forced 20 missed forced tackles on the year, second in the power yeah. five for a guy that's, you know, so that just means he's trying to break through contact behind the line of scrimmage. He's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage a lot. Um, but he is very uninspiring once he gets to the second level. Like he lacks a little bit of patience at times as well, kind of bulldozes into the line. Uh, sometimes it's, I think if he's going to be anything in the NFL, it is probably closer to what Damian Harris was than anything else. But there is a chance still, you know, he could show off with the SEC schedule coming up um, with that athleticism leading up to the draft. I'm not ready to say he isn't a dev asset anymore. I just, I, I still think there's a decent chance he gets drafted. I just don't, I'm, I'm losing hope on day two though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he gets drafted. I just don't, I don't think it's going to be that high. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you this though. Quinshawn Judkins, is he still a tier one running back for you? Oh, this one's tough. Okay, so look, I was even looking at his, his stats. Okay, 44 carries so far in the year for 145 yeah. yards and four touchdowns. That's 3.3 yards per attempt versus the very tough defenses of Mercer, Tulane, and Georgia Tech, which is just like, I I don't know. I know a lot of people were, were pointing towards it last year that they were a little bit a little bit weary of him putting him up there all the way at the top. We felt pretty confident about it. There was a very strong freshman freshman season that he had one of the best freshman seasons we've ever say we've ever seen um he does have seven receptions on this uh on the year already which is on his way to smashing his total from last year but if i was drafting today i'd feel pretty apprehensive about taking him where he was going this offseason in that first round like you know i don't know um, he's starting the year out pretty rough under the radar pretty rough for a lot of people not really talking about it i i i watched so i watched the Tulane game i did not watch the word tech game. i watched Tulane. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what you said about about Chase McClellan actually I think applies to him. He just seems like 
No, sorry. The exact opposite. He's just too patient. Like he's waiting for the hole to open up and yeah. it just doesn't open up. And instead of just plowing through and be decisive as a runner, he's just waiting. And so I don't know what that's about. I don't really know. Like I didn't study Ole Miss's offensive line last year. Like maybe they just kept opening holes for him and he just knew how to hit them. But it just seems like he's waiting for the hole and it just doesn't open up. And then you know what he looks a lot like to me? He looks like Cartagena Norton out there to me. Yeah. And and that's not a good thing. So I I still think he's tier one because I think the player from last year, it's still the same player. I don't think he got worse. There's no injury here. I don't think there's really any reason to have a setback. Um, he's just being used on like short down, like power back type stuff. And there's just no holes opening. And I, I've actually been a little bit impressed with Jackson Dart because I was watching him and I just think, hell yeah. <laughs> I think there's, there's like that tier of like, you know, first round like quarterbacks. And we think, I think there's, well, I think there's two that's locked right now. And then there's like that group of like guys that get drafted like the fourth round, maybe like end of the yeah, third. Yeah. I think Jackson Darts like solidified his role and played that spot. Like, I, I actually really enjoyed watching him play. He's going to be our next Sam Howell that's like drafted in the fourth, and we're just like waiting for him to get his chance. And then he's going to start in the NFL. And it's going to be like, you're right this whole time, man. <laughs> I can't wait um, but, to 2024 and we're like the next Brock Purdy, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the one thing with Quinchon Judge, like the comparison that I kind of go with when I look at him is is like it's more that nobody really talks about. But I th- I think there's some similarities to David Montgomery here with the fact that they were high missed tackles force guys, maybe guys that aren't super athletic, but still like to dance a lot. And maybe that's why he's so patient behind the backfield. He saw what he could do last year. Maybe he thinks he can get away with a little bit too much. David Montgomery had to learn to be more decisive, get downhill faster. Don't dance behind the line, especially once you got to the NFL when the athleticism was that much higher and his athleticism couldn't translate. Like that's probably one thing that I think Quinton Jenkins has to do to his game. He needs to be more decisive and get downhill a little bit faster. So, so, so for today, for today, we'll check in later. Is he still a tier one for you today? Yeah, he's still, I haven't I, I haven't been bold enough to move anybody drastically just yet. But as yeah. of today, he's a he's a tier one player. Yeah, I'm there. They play uh they play Bama this week. Is that right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's gonna be another rough week. Uh, maybe uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> not, dude. I don't know. Bama yeah, can surprise yeah. everybody. I think he had um, a good game against Bama last year, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. I remember because yeah. they're like, I remember like listening to the start sits, and they're like, it was like sit Quinshawn, and then I, I had to start him, and he like went off. And I'm like, thank God, dude. Thank, yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get over to uh, to Tennessee, uh, and um, I believe uh, there's quite a few people whose champion was uh, what's his name, dude? The guy with the cannon that just can't can't Joe Milton can't get in the right zip code. Yeah, Joe Milton. Everyone's Joe everyone's Milton. favorite Joe Milton in the offseason. Um, he looks he looked terrible, and he made Florida Awful. look good. Florida looked good. Yeah, and um, as a Kentucky fan, I don't like that. I don't ever like that. I don't like Tennessee either. Like I wish both teams <laughs> lost. I don't. I try to figure out ways they could both do that, and the way they both did because Grant Burns looked terrible too. Yep. So. Actually, you know, yeah, now I'm talking about it, I feel pretty good as a Kentucky fan. They both look terrible. Yeah, there was no winner in this game, really. I, 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 like Joe Milton, to me, like seems like he's playing scared. And maybe it's like the pressure he's coming into the season with all the hype he came into the season with. Everybody talking about his arm, uh, potential draft riser. He's, he's a sneaky bet for a first round. And it's led to this like safe style of play. He's barely pushing the ball down the field. His A dot, his entire career, has been in the upper teens. Last year was 19.5 when he got that starting time down the stretch without Hooker uh, in the bowl game or whatever. 19.5 yards. This year it's only 9.1. He's not even in double digits. I mean, struggling against a mediocre Florida team, lost the lost that game. I just think, at what point is it no different to just get 
Yamalieva on the field, Nico Yamalieva, the freshman quarterback there, and just have him learn on the job. I don't think this is a playoff caliber team. I don't think they're going to contend for an NCC championship. They're they're not there with Milton at the helm. And I just wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing Nico come into games here and there, especially if they continue to struggle. And and maybe he's he's a starter by the end of the season. They do have UTSA next. Um, I don't think it really happens this soon, but that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, his another shot would be like Connecticut or like their very last game of the season was Vanderbilt. But uh, the whole point though is is really like Joe Millen seems to be struggling. So I I don't I don't know when we see when I, don't, I really have no idea when we see Ninko. They can't throw him out against like Georgia. There's like their second to last game of the year. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough. Yeah. Just throwing him to the wolves right there. That would be crazy. Yeah, that might not be the smartest idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not looking good there for uh for he looked like Donovan Donovan Smith out there to me. Yeah, I really did. Like just throwing the ball hard for no reason short and just Yeah. Anyway. Uh the last the last trends here, Barry and Brown hasn't been doing much here for Kentucky. He looks great on the returns. This has been a very negative trend, by the way. <laughs> I just realizing yeah. that now. These are all very negative. <laughs> well, it's because we expect guys to do well for Power yeah, Five yeah, or G Five. So they like, really need to talk about is the guys that aren't doing well. Yeah. Um, Barry Brown looks great on his kick returns. I, I don't know what's going on with our offense. Uh, like week two, I can't remember who we played. Eastern Kentucky, that's who we played. A lot of drops from receivers. I think PFF only credited the whole core with like three. I think Dane Key had three all by himself, and then the, the other ones all had a couple drops too. But Barry's just not doing much as a receiver, and I don't really understand this at all. So, I, what's your temperature check on Barry and Brown? Yeah, there was a lot of people slamming that Dane Key freaking victory lap in week one, and that faded off like crazy now. So, thank God we're back to where we should be, anyways, with Dane Key. But with Barry and Brown, the thing that I'm noticing here is I mean, remember, very raw player. There's going to be a development curve here. Maybe some new tendencies with, with Devin Leary coming in as well. But I've noticed they've been using him in different ways this year. Last year, so many manufactured touches, um, which resulted in big plays because of visibility in open field. He's elusive, he can create plays. Um, but he hasn't really been getting those this year. He's eight out on the year 17.3 compared to 9.6 last year. They're using they've decided this year they're going to use his speed as a deep threat. And he's not getting those easy touches that he used to get. I'd like to see him start using that as well. I think the big thing here is the returning health of Tavian Robinson, who's leading the team in, in receiving right now. He's the one getting all those touches that Arian seemed to be getting last year. So with his health coming back, they don't seem to be relying on the young guys as much. But I still think Barian's a, a, a dynamic player. Uh, I just want to see him get some of those easy touches again. So I just think that's the type of player he is. And some people say that's a bad thing, but that's the type of player he is. Let him do what he can do now while he's still raw, while he's learning. And then he'll eventually become more of a wide receiver down the line. But they need to they need to work that back in. For now, temperature check. I haven't moved him outside my top 10 or 12 yet. Um, but so he's still up there for me. But But yeah, definitely treading water here. Uh, before I get into my take on it, out of like the four from his class that we all talk about being tier one, Luther and Antonio, Evan Stewart, and Barry. And do you have him like what wide receiver four out of that group? Or yeah, he's he's number four for me. Yeah, yeah I have anything about switching that up too. Who do you uh, have anyway, now? I had Antonio at the front because I felt like he was the safest. Then Evan Stewart, then Luther, yeah. and then Barry. Those, yeah, actually, yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. Really all wide you receiver six. You don't win playing safe, man. <laughs> my league of record team won't be winning anytime soon no i mean yeah dude, i, I whooped your ass team, this week dude, it, it literally died after week one it, it didn't even end the season it ended the entire no, it, for like multiple like years dude. your ir is just like full after one week like for, for everyone listening my nfl team lost jk dobbins and 
Aaron, Aaron Rodgers week one. And then on the college side, which I am doing well in, I had five players. I had 10 players in the IR week one. Jeez. Um, and now it varies between five and 10. It looks like and that's probably, it sounds like a bunch year. of excuses. Shape up, bud. You're, you're representing back to Debbie here. Let's go. I, I'm still top half of the league or I'm doing better than <laughs> Felix who put together the league. I can feel good about that. <laughs> um, but Varian, temperature check on Varian Brown. I, I, I like the manufacturer stuff because that's who he is. He's an elite athlete. I like to see mm-hmm. more polish. Obviously, that's the whole point of it. But I didn't want it to come at the cost of him looking bad. He's 0 for 6 on like deep targets. And I really haven't been watching this as like the analyst. I've been more watching as a fan for Kentucky. So I need to go back and see what's going on. But it's yeah. it looks off. The chemistry just looks off with him mm-hmm. specifically with Devin Leary. So maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like maybe Leary's just not used to playing with athletes like that. Like maybe you can't get the timing right. There's no chemistry. Um, but I, I'll, I'll watch into that and give you a response probably two weeks from now. Okay. Today, who do you want more, Tutoria McMillan or Barry and Brown? Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to actually ask the question of like our tier two for that class and how would you rank them? Because I put it in our chat today in the Slack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I I think Tet is a little bit safer right now. Yeah. I was just go I was just about to I just yelled at you for saying don't play safe, but I actually agree with I, that yeah, God, yeah. I do actually yeah, I do actually think McMillan is a safer bet right now. It's just I do st- still think the higher upside is with Barryan, but there's no floor that he might not reach it. I wanna watch Tet though. I haven't really watched him that much. I wanna see if he's actually separating at all or it's just the same contested yeah. catch stuff against against weak corners which is like still fine i just you know there's a difference between physical the way drake like drake london was physical and like ted's more like i mean he's not that level of physical i haven't watched Um, any arizona this year but they don't really have a lot of devy assets man besides ted i mean other than that i mean i gave up on jacob cowling i don't think he's a guy anymore i think he's yeah late day three yeah um type of guy uh let's let's get into our game of the week uh, a little bit more exciting this week. We're going to talk FSU versus Clemson. So a lot of stuff here. Let's go by uh, position group here. And, and this is going to be something we're going to be doing every single week. We're going to pick one game to break down and talk about. Hopefully we don't ever pick Clemson ever again. We have better options than that. Uh, but <laughs> So let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about Kate Klubnik. What do, what do you have Do you have expectations of Kate Klubnik? Do you think he's going to turn around this this week? Yeah, so I'm looking for this game specifically. I'm kind of looking for Kate Klubnik to to grow within this offense. You know, like I think he's kind of trending downwards a little bit. This was supposed to be the year that we saw the big jump with him, right? Get Riley coming in after what we what he did with with Dugan last year at TCU. Um, he's got he's got decent weapons around him, two viable running backs, nice slot weapon Antonio, some towering guys on the outside, but it just continues to look like a struggle any type of real opponent I've already talked about in the, uh, on the show that I feel like he lacks some of the elite traits we want to see in quarterbacks, arm strength, size, mobility, those type of things. So he really has to play lights out everywhere else in my eyes to maintain that high end ranking. And I've been disappointed with what I've seen. He doesn't read the field. Well, uh, struggles to move on to his, his next read gets frantic in the pocket at times, um, hovering around six yards per attempt and eight odd as well. A little bit better last week, and it's just it's just time for him to. He's got to show us something. He's got to elevate these guys around him. Show me some pocket awareness. Um, show me some tight window throws, and elevate these guys around you. And, and let's put up some numbers here because he's ranked way too highly right now for him to be playing like this. He played terrible against Charleston Southern in the first half. Second half was great. FAU obviously these are just both two G five teams. So this is like a good reset for him to like put it back out there. We just saw Boston College move the ball against FSU like. Clemson, you got to study that film and just copy and paste whatever Boston College just did do that. Yeah. Um, 
going to the other side of the ball, Jordan Travis, uh, you know, he's in the Heisman race. I saw a graphic for that. Saw his face in there. Um, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> surprised. Uh, I, a guy that we've criticized for not being able to play in structure. I still want to be able to see that from him. I think he floats the ball still. I don't have much more to say about his improvements. I just think he's a fine dual threat quarterback. Scrambles really well. I think he's a really good scrambler. Um, but I, I want to see him operate more in structure. And Clemson's got some pretty good corners as well. So even though he might be able to extend the play with his legs, I would like to see some tighter window throws as well. Uh, get over to the running backs, Corey. What are you looking for in this game? I need to see my boy Trey Benson get back on track, okay? There's no easy way around this. Benson has been bad to start the year. Okay, this was a guy that I I was touting a lot last year. Everybody, uh, my guy, my guy in the Devi guide as well. This was just a guy that I, I I was really high on. His efficiency has tapered off. The uses he saw at the last of the year, where he was averaging almost 16 touches a game, hasn't been there. I mean, if you look at the actual raw output, right on the season, um, it's 33 carries for 164 yards and four touchdowns with three catches and 28 yards. That looks a lot. That doesn't look that bad if it was all over one game but it's over the past three. And I think you can argue that like maybe FSU is a little more focused on the pass game this year with the weapons they brought in. Um, and maybe some of Benson's inefficiencies leading to other guys just getting more touches as well. He added some, some weight this offseason that we know. Hopefully it's not affecting his explosiveness, but I got to see this guy get back on track. He was an early RB4 candidate for us, for me. Um, I'm not ready to say that still won't happen, but this is trending downwards fast. So you got to start showing us uh, some of that Benson we saw last year. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. On the other side of the ball, too, like Will Shipley, we've we've been pretty critical, and I think this statement will stand up until draft time. I don't think he's a hard runner down the middle. I don't really think he is. He's definitely an NFL caliber runner down the middle. I think he's a great pass catcher. Um, Phil Moffa has been a guy that people talk about as being better than Shipley. I don't truly believe that, <laughs> and uh, he certainly fumbled the ball a lot week one. So it, it's like a get-right game for him as well, but – I think Shipley, too, just needs to keep showing off his pass catching ability, get that early day three draft capital, and that's going to be his like change of pace role at the next level. But uh, I'm, I'm more eyes on Mil- Phil Moffa, though. I, I feel like I know who Will Shipley is. I don't, I think there's still some potential left with Moffa. I'm really not buying it, though, but this would be a great game to show that he has that potential. I believe he led the team in rushing last week, if I'm not mistaken. And I mean, if you do look at some of the advanced stats, he does have a higher yards per carry. He's got more touchdowns on the year, which is kind of expected. He's probably the, the short yards red zone guy, um, higher yards after contact. So so if we use the Noah Hills uh, evaluation philosophy of, 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 you know, looking between running backs, running in the same backfield and what they're kind of doing here, like there's some aspects of this where Mafa is doing well. And I don't know if he's better. But if we think Will Shipley is at least decent, he's a draftable asset, you know, it's possible we should be paying more attention to Moff as a potential guy who could at least make the NFL, you know, maybe he's a he's in a short yardage role or something like that. But maybe be paying him some more attention at least. Uh, a little bit sidey. I think I think like the short area yardage guy, like that class kind of getting kind of stacked right now. Like Audrey Gaston yeah. is in there. Stuff like yeah, that. it's true. Anyway, yeah. We'll yeah. talk more about that some other time. Uh, going over to the wide receivers. I actually want to talk about Keon Coleman, who was like getting hyped up as a wide receiver two in the class after the week zero break. I know the overreactions are the week one um, overreaction. Yeah. Left us a goose egg last year. Oh, for three against Boston College. I don't know if they have any shutdown corners up there in Boston College, but uh, yeah. I don't think so. And there's some better corners here for Clemson. So, again, this is also a get right game for him because he came on pretty hot week one. And has been very quiet ever since. And he, I mean, he came on so hot, dude, that I felt forced to put him in my, up in my rankings. And maybe I was a little too premature on that one. Again, overreactions. They got me. Overreactions got me. 
Yeah, no, and I mean, I think you know, we even got a little bit of a, a little bit of a slack for it in the in the uh, Discord uh, earlier this week when we talked about him after that first show that we just weren't sure if we were there yet, and I think that it's fine that we can be solid on that right now because i don't know if he's he, he is like a top four guy in this class right now i don't think that we've seen it and then we're seeing him disappear now these past two weeks after that big week one game so i don't know we'll, we'll see if we're right on this but i'm still apprehensive i need to see more from him i want to see some more versatility i want to see some more usage from him not just the replacement for johnny wilson in this in this offense i, I gotta say this too uh, he's uh, the one thing we said he was a lead at coming in because we me and you both were not sold on his movement ability we thought he's very good at getting vertical very good in the contested catch category Mm-hmm. He has 20 targets on the year. 10 of those, half of those are contested catch targets. Only yeah. three receptions on those 10. And I and I complain about Jordan Travis floating balls and just like laying them up, you know? So like he's probably not helping the situation out. But Keon Coleman should still be winning these more than he is, especially against Boston College and Southern Miss. I mean, he's 0 for 6 contested catches against, against Southern Miss and Boston College. So this is a bad look. <laughs> on the other side of the ball here, looking at Clemson's wide receiver class, uh, wide receiver core here, I'm looking at Mr. Adam Randall. This was a guy that I was super high on in this class, pushing for my wide receiver in that class. He didn't, obviously, but I really, really liked him. I understand the ACL injury. He, he's still working his way back from that. But this room uh, is in need of playmakers on the outside. I just talked about Club Nick needing some guys. He, he needs a guy to step up that he can rely on as well. And Adam Randall actually led this group in receiving last weekend, I believe. But it was only on like two catches in that blowout. Um, just there was so much hype around this guy leading up to this season. And he's barely been able to make an impact. Go out there, demand the targets, show off the physical freak that I think you can be. And I still think there's a realm where we're debating Randall and Antonio Williams if all things break right by the end of this. But he's on the fence right now. If he doesn't make an impact soon, he could really start dropping down the rankings as, as just another guy that we think has potential but never shows it. The first four weeks set the tone. First yep. four weeks set the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, Antonio Williams, too. I, again, like we, I kind of talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, I think he may be the only Debbie asset here. I know Corey's not out on Adam Randall, but like I'm saying, one more week and I'm I'm out. Mm-hmm. I might yeah. I might fade him into oblivion and just say it's only Antonio Williams here in this in this wide receiver room that I really care about. So no Bo Collins love. He was getting a little bit of love a couple weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> even the head coach was like, he's gonna be an NFL stud. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of the freshmen on the uh, FSU side. Let's talk about Hakeem Williams here. He's got he's got one catch, right? One catch. Yeah, he's got one catch. Yeah, yeah, one. <laughs> One guy, one guy. He is a guy that we are afraid of being that year one zero, but a uh, year one zero this year. Um, big physical, um, uh, athletic specimen that came in this year, but came in uh, out of shape as well. Took a long time to get kind of acclimated with the offense. Um, and it's nice that we're seeing him out there, but I just don't think that he's probably winning in any other way than just being a physical freak right now. And uh, with the guys that they have on this team fitting his kind of uh, archetype as well, I just don't see a lot of pass for him to get on the field. I'm with you there. I think they talked about it too on Campus Life this week, and I disagree with everything yeah. that everyone said so far. Um, uh, he has the same amount of yards caught during the Boston College game as Keon Coleman, though, so there's a plus on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> heading over to his fellow freshman wide receiver, though, Vendrevious Jacobs, uh, a guy that is a little bit more of a route runner here. He got three snaps against Southern Miss, one catch for 13 yards and a touchdown on three snaps, so that's pretty cool. But uh, – we're monitoring both these guys to see if they get more playing time, beat the year one zero mode. I don't think it's gonna be a Clemson game. It's just such a high profile game. So I doubt we see either one of these two guys. Um, but if they do without, you know, if there's everyone's healthy, there's no injuries. If we see them get run on the field, I am going to take 
that into account. I mean, that's that's kind of a big deal for True Freshman to get like playing time in games like that. Like that's a that's a blockbuster type game. The only freshman I'm looking at on the Clemson side of the ball, though, uh, haven't heard anyone talk about him, and I need to do some digging myself too. But Tyler Brown from Clemson is seven for seventy nine and two touchdowns so far on the year. He is a three star. We do know some three stars are some prolific guys in the NFL. I mean, Justin Jefferson's three star. Chris Olave was a three star. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out for these three star breakouts and these major programs. The Tyler Brown fits this mold. Five eleven, one seventy, listed at one eighty though as a recruit. Um, last year one hundred and twenty two. I got to hit up the recruiting team honestly to ask some more information about this guy. But this guy is getting on the field. I believe he's got fifteen. I, 17 routes run, 15 route run, and then 20 routes run. So he's involved. Even week one against Duke. And Cole Turner now goes down to injury for Clemson, which opens the door up for further opportunity here. Uh, I, I'm watching this breakout. So like, keep your eye out for Tyler Brown to get on the field. He's been on the field the whole time, and I'll see it's going to change. FSU, if he goes off against FSU, like just imagine like Twitter burning the roll down. Like That would be awesome. Yeah, and I think we're kind of looking for more Clemson wide receivers to become like a factor here because Clemson wide receiver used to be it used to be a wide receiver factory. I mean, they're constantly putting guys in the NFL. We haven't really seen that, and they've kind of got locked into this big size guys on the outside, these towering guys, and they're actually getting more success from guys like Antonio Williams and now Tyler Brown, a little bit of a smaller guy. So definitely someone that I think we should be putting on the radar, keeping an eye on as as we continue through the season here. Guys, that wraps it up. I know Courtney and I have been doing normal length episodes, which is nice probably for some people, but it just feels too short for me. So we're going to have to get back to doing these long episodes. Here. I'm just going to tell you that. It's, ju- it's, during, it's during the year. Yeah. There's so much new information every week to, to go on. You don't want to spend too much time yeah. on everything in one I, week. I just I just do not care for Power 5 teams dunking on G5. Like you should. Yeah, it's the expectation. Yeah. I just don't have much takeaways. I just can't wait for in-conference play. Like this 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 type of stuff, Like we needed football. Football is back. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm itching for like a little bit more football. I, I'm just, nothing's never nothing's good enough for me, man. I just want I just want more. Yeah. Um, guys, that wraps it up for us from Corey and from Mike. Good night and good luck. <laughs>